Thank you for listening to the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. My name is George Mays. Here with me is Jay Jones. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning to the listeners on your journeys into work. It's Tech Driven Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah, it is. The time just keeps going by. The sun goes up, mm-hmm. goes where it came from. Just jumping right in. Here we go. Just, yeah. <laughs> just jumping right in. We're just continuing on. Yeah. It's a little time, little, uh, little time travel here for people who are listening to us on Tuesday because we're here on a Monday. Uh-huh. Rainy Monday morning. Yeah. Well, Jay, I would love to say that uh, that my Sunday worship experience was <laughs> refreshing. Yeah, he had a, a blessing to my heart. But uh, we started singing How Great Thou Art, the very first song yeah. uh, in the worship service on Sunday. Oh, Lord, my God, when I an awesome <laughs> wonder, consider all the works my hands have made, my wife leans over to me and says, Josiah just threw up. <laughs> and he didn't just throw up. Uh, he, uh, Phil, he, Philip he got... said he could see it from the stage. <laughs> like Philip's on stage playing the guitar. He's leading us in worship, and he says what? he looks out, and what? he sees projectile vomit. What a distraction. <laughs> yeah. What a distraction. Yeah, yeah. So spent most of the worship service trying to clean up uh, vomit on the floor because he threw up again as he was leaving the the sanctuary. Yeah, He's trying to clean that up and then trying to, as uh, casually, <laughs> I guess as I could, because we sit towards the front, yeah, yeah. <laughs> trying to clean up the uh, the pew, oh. Mo- moving the kids. Julia pretty good. Julia, Julia's trying to deal with Josiah, clean him up so she can get out of there <laughs> and go home. And I'm trying to clean up and make sure that the kids are doing okay and trying to transfer them. And yeah, it was, uh, it wasn't great, Jay. You got it done. <laughs> it wasn't great. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was a bit distracted. I, I told you, you probably were going to have to do the uh, pastoral prayer and then yeah. I ended up doing it. I probably should have let you do that because I was very distracted. <laughs> I was very distracted. <laughs> you made it, you made it just in time. I got, yeah, I was cleaning yeah. up until the last song before the pastoral prayer and I was very distracted when I got up there. I probably, probably should have just let you do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it was rough, but uh, I did listen to the, <laughs> to the sermon. <laughs> I was able to, I was able to uh, get composed and settled. That's good. Um, so I could listen to the sermon. Mm. But uh, that was a that was a difficult difficult morning in the worship service. Yeah. I, yeah. I told my wife as I was helping her get him in the car, this is a good argument for us sitting in the back. Yeah, it uh, <laughs> it'll be a good memory that for you later when he grew, when he's like grown up. Yeah. You know, he's he's older. You mm-hmm. guys will, you guys will tell him about it and laugh about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's a memory along with uh, Phineas. Um, before we merged, and I was doing the music and preaching, and we did the scripture reading, and there was a pause. And this is while he was trying to be potty trained. Oh no! And Julia has to drag him out. He's screaming all the way down the aisle. I'm pooping. I'm <laughs> pooping. <laughs> oh, so that's that, good. That really breaks 
the reverence yeah. <laughs> yeah. of the worship service. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so, uh, but it goes along with what you were preaching. Like, it was a good, it was a good reminder. It was, it was helping me to remember that there are some things you can't control. Yeah. There's a time for everything, and those times are not mm-hmm. established by us. They're established by God, whether for good, <laughs> the good, the good times or the bad times. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was, even though it's, it's frustrating, it's, it's trying to, trying to uh, allow your theology to affect, yeah. affect that. And mm-hmm. uh, sometimes, sometimes you succeed, <laughs> you succeed at that. And sometimes you are uh, grumbling in your heart while you're cleaning <laughs> up, throw up uh, on the floor in the back of the sanctuary. So uh, <laughs> we're getting back in the Ecclesiastes. Yeah. How was your weekend? <laughs> <laughs> it was fine. It was good. Yeah. Had a good weekend. Uh, yeah. Nothing crazy. Yeah. Good to go. Got some rain. Yeah. So that was good. Finally. Yeah. Yeah, we were about, I don't even know, 60 days, no rain. So, yeah, it's nice. Quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, we're back in Ecclesiastes. Uh, We are in chapter three, and this uh, this sermon was all about time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You want to set that up for us, or you? (laughs) 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 Yeah, so Ecclesiastes three. Um, if you're looking in your Bible, you can see that there's clearly, there's a change of theme coming. Starts right there. So uh, the question is where to where to end it. So some people would take just one to eight and call it good. But if you look down a little bit further, this idea of time continues by the word eternity in chapter nine, or in verse verse nine. Hey, you're, uh, you're verse just, nine uh, through you're 13. <laughs> so in verses nine through 13, really, I think, is a reflection upon that from man, about man. And then 14 through the end, 14 and 15, really are about God's relationship to time and what he's, all the stuff he's just talked about. Mm -hmm. So if you look at this, this grouping, uh, this section of scripture here, I think it's one through 11, it's 30 times the word time is used, and Mm -hmm. then in two through eight, Two through eight, it's twenty-eight times, and then you have the word eternity, which you know isn't time, but it's talking about mm-hmm. our concepts of time and stuff. Right. So the theme is obviously the theme is obviously time. Yeah. And so that's kind of the way you should look at this: is okay. What is what is going on? Mm-hmm. What is going on in this passage? This passage. Um, people probably this is one of the more famous. Text, right? Funerals, I think. <laughs> well, there's a song. There's a song. Yeah, there that, is a song. Yeah, just goes through this. It's called. Is it turn? It's called mm. turn. Turn, turn, turn by the. Who is it? The birds. Is, well, is that what, it, Larry? That's what Larry's saying. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, they they pretty much rip, ripped off Solomon. So yeah, it's a. Uh, I guess it's. No royalties needed because it's what do they call it? Co- uh, in the or it's in the general common whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they just stole his his poem about time. Yeah, and made a song. They weren't the writers of it though. Um, <clears throat> who wrote it? Somebody can comment if you know who wrote it. They they just performed it and it became a big hit. But mm. somebody wrote it. Yeah. 
but yeah, it's 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 all about time. So I almost I almost I told you I almost took my two points, and uh, just for the kids, I didn't want to be cheesy, but you know I, I know whenever I say things about Marvel or whatever, the kids always pay attention. Yeah. So I almost named my points after Infinity War and Endgame. Okay. And it almost would have fit perfectly. It would have been a, a real distraction, I think. <laughs> I know it would have. I was like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I got it. When you told me that, I said you were you were borderline Craig Rochelle. I know. On that. <laughs> so I went with a time for reverence. Yeah, that's what I called this. Okay, this All sermon, right. a time for reverence. And uh, you you started the sermon with uh, with this idea that we only have so much time. Mm-hmm. There's only there's only so much time that we're given, and you you. You listed some. Uh, you listed some things that we spend our time on. Those yeah. were interest. Those were were interesting. I think. Right. Yeah. That's it. First, everybody under this is what's unique about time, and I think it's part of the genius of the way this is constructed. Mm-hmm. Uh, time is a Romans <clears throat> one type of a knowledge that's universal and cross cultural. Mm-hmm. It, it's you're hardwired into understanding the concept of it. You don't have to be like a. Uh, a theoretical physicist and understand time dilation and all the whatever happens at speed as you're moving in the universe mm. relative to an observer yeah. that time can be relative even a child understands time is events are slipping into the past and I can't get them back yeah and I'm gliding into the future yeah we had a we had a, an interesting conversation um, at lunch <laughs> we get home this this kid this three-year-old has just completely uh, uh, turned our worship service upside down. I get home and he's just fine. He's running <laughs> around and ready to eat. And it's yeah. just kids are weird. Uh, but we had a good. Uh, we had an interesting conversation at lunch, uh, especially with our fifteen-year-old. What is time? Mm-hmm. What is it? Right. Trying to get a definition. Yeah, yeah. Out of it. Yeah. We all know what it. Is. We all experience it. Yeah. But what is it? Right. Yeah. And really, it's just a measurement. It's a measurement. It's just a measurement, and it's how we it's how we talk about yesterday, today, tomorrow, the past, the present, yeah. the future. That's that's really what time is. Well, you have to have matter. You mm-hmm. have to have motion, mm-hmm. and that's that's time. Mm-hmm. And um, it can be on a really large <laughs> scales that you measure this, or it can be very small scales. But the idea is change. Mm. Anything that is in anything that is material, so everything in the universe is prone to change mm. in a constant state of change. That, I think that's important, as as we'll see later. But you know, we have, we have a concept of it, and uh, yeah. The so coming back to this, we know our time slipping away. Even a child knows that they can't get their time back. Uh, we're moving through it, but in a seventy-year lifespan, here's what I found. You'll spend 20 years sleeping. That is depressing to think about. It, it, it really is. So yeah. you're really only like awake and living in reality 50 years yeah. of your 70-year life. Yeah, that is pretty the rest depressing. Your, the rest you're in dreamland. Yeah. Hopefully a good dreams. Mm-hmm. Uh, 20 years working. I, I, I would say that's low, honestly, but I guess that's maybe they're just calculating that off of eight eight hour work yeah you know work day yeah probably maybe. yeah um six years eating seven, some, some of us some of us more some of us a little bit more <laughs> seven years in recreation mm. playing entertainment that type of thing five years getting dressed 
So, I mean, I mean, this is vanity of vanities here, man. Five years getting dressed. Uh, you know, I'm cutting down on some of that by not uh, by not shaving. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, this is a good this is a good uh, argument for men growing beards. And that's what you I want to know. Five years is this that. men or women, or is this in, like taking uh, an yeah, average yeah. of the two? Because mm-hmm. we could probably bump those numbers up. Yeah. For a lady. Mm. Uh, one year on the phone, talking on the phone, <laughs> and. <laughs> And I, I and I and I said in the service, this isn't George isn't going to meet get to one year. I got it. I got. I'm going to have a. I'm going to have one more year of my yeah. life than you are, Jay. Yeah. But <laughs> but you spend that year texting on the phone. That's probably true. Yep. Um, if you're a, a smoker or a vapor, you'll spend two and a half years of your life on your vape break. Huh? Or do they just vape inside now? I don't. I don't know. I don't What's know, allowed? I don't know. What's tolerable? Yeah, I don't know. Um. <clears throat> Two and a half years just laying around. So not asleep. You're just laying around. Some of us a little bit, a little yeah. bit more. <laughs> uh, the uh, digital digital entertainment in the home probably pumped those numbers up. Yeah, I, I would guess. Three years waiting for someone. That's crazy to think about. Um, five months tying your shoes. What? And two and a half years doing just other things. Miscellaneous things. Yeah. How how much tying your shoes? I don't know. I don't tie my shoes. I just usually put boots on, or I slip on those mm-hmm. uh, those like kind of like fishing shoes I wear. So I'm saying I'm saving time. How how much time did you? I'm did getting. You, how much time did you say on that? Two and uh, five uh, five months tying five your shoes. months tying your shoes. Yeah. Mm. So going, save. I'm going get, back to Velcro. Yeah, get some boots, <laughs> and you'll get uh, five mo- extra months. Yeah. And if you don't smoke, you can get two and a half years of your life back. Okay. Um, how else? I guess if you just could be rude and not ever wait on anyone, you could get three years back. <laughs> <laughs> so, but time, times it's running out, man. I yeah. mean, it's it's uh, lost time is never found. Mm-hmm. I think that's Ben Franklin. He's got a couple of these catchy little ones. Yeah. Lost times never found. So yeah, right. time's ticking away. Okay. All right, so this is uh, this passage. You uh, you said the, these are two lessons we can learn about time. Um, so let's have you read the uh, read the passage. Okay, Ecclesiastes chapter three, verses one through fifteen, and then we'll look at those two lessons. All right. For everything, there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven: a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all of his toil. This is God's gift to man. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it or anything taken away from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. 
That which is already has been, that which is to be already has been, and God seeks what has been driven away. All right, so we've got two lessons here, uh, verses 1 through 13. Time reveals the limitations of man. Mm-hmm. And uh, 14 and 15, time reveals that God is majestic. That's right. Right? You got it. All right. Well, let's look at that first uh, That first lesson. Okay. Um, time reveals the limitations of man. This is mm-hmm. verses 1 through 13. Um, like you said, verses 1 through 8 there, uh, that's, that's a pretty... Uh, Pretty popular, yeah. Um, pretty famous, but uh, you're you argue that uh, the way that it's normally understood is not the correct way that we should be interpreting it. So, mm-hmm. could you explain how people usually interpret it, and then explain right. why you are um, interpreting it the way that you are? Okay, so you know maybe you. I'm sure you've heard it, whether whether it was at a funeral or somewhere else, but it's about the appropriateness of like. The occasions, I guess you would say. So it becomes like more of a moralistic way of reading it to, to where Solomon is give, just giving you practical wisdom on what's appropriate in a, in a given situation. Now, while you which be, really fits in with uh, the whole the whole theme of Ecclesiastes, right? <laughs> right, yeah. yeah he's been uh, the trajectory we've been on, and all of a sudden he just pops in. Like, hey, of, let me give you vanity some. of vanities. Make sure you don't yeah. uh, you don't have a party at a funeral. Let me make sure to give you some practical <laughs> advice. Yeah, don't be laughing it up when somebody dies. Yeah, don't, yeah. where'd that come from? Yeah. So that's kind of how it is. But, but you, I, I guess while there is there are lessons to be learned here, um, that you could take some of those away. Obviously, that there is a time to be silent. Right. Some sometimes your friends don't need you to say anything. They just need you to be with them. Mm-hmm. That's obviously a good lesson. But it's not the, really the main driver, the main driver of it. So um, the main, I think the main driver, main thing he's driving at is he's trying to frame a poem that encaps, that would capture like life, all of like, what are everything that you could ever encounter in your life? Well, not everything. He's going to give like main things because he obviously, the poem would be like a thousand lines long if he had everything. He probably could do it because he's super wise, right? But he said, okay, here are seven verses, and they're in pairs, so it becomes 14. So, you know, seven times two, 14. And seven is kind of a number of perfection uh, in the Bible. It's completion, um, seven days of creation. And so it's a poem, and so take that into account. So he's trying to give you a complete picture that in life there's going to be bad seasons and good seasons. And the two, every good thing in this poem has a bad thing that counters it. Every bad thing has a good thing that counters it. And so what does that equal? If everything, that's kind of where we'll go Mm -hmm. as we get through this poem. But these are the two basic kinds of seasons you're going to encounter in life, uh, good and bad. And what kicks it off is the introductory verse, verse 1, that for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. And that really means that there is an appointed time for everything. That's the idea. So if, if you try to look up these words for season and time, that's what you'll find, that it's more of like, uh, instead of like you think season of spring, that's how you might would interpret that verse, it's more like 
a specific point in a time. You know what I mean? Okay. So there is an appointed time for everything under under heaven. There's a season and a time for every matter. Um, and so we should ask ourselves, if there's an appointed time, like if there's an actual time for everything, like who who makes it so? Who makes things this way? And as you'll see as the poem is unfolding, that's what he's driving at, is for you to get to say, okay, um, <clears throat> I didn't set this time, who set it? Right. It's kind of an inescapable reality that even if you're the most hardcore skeptic, you can't fight these realities that he lays out, mm. as we'll see some of them. So it's not so much um, the appropriateness of when when it's okay to weep and when it's okay to laugh. Right. It's more about there is a time that's coming in your life when you'll weep and there's a time when you'll laugh and you are not necessarily in control of that. Right. And who made it appropriate to do that? Right. Who made it appropriate to weep at certain times and how come in all of reality, you know, at a birth of a child... We don't rend our clothes and mourn. <laughs> yeah. We celebrate. Mm-hmm. These times are ingrained into the fabric mm. of what it means to live under the sun. Mm. And the question, and so as you go through them, you ought to be going, "I didn't." R.C. Sproul has an interesting argument he does for. Um, <clears throat> I think he he it might be Anselm's argument that he modifies. I can't remember, but he it, who said. Uh, who said? Who's the guy who said? I think, therefore, I am. Descartes. Descartes. Okay. Yeah. So he takes he takes that when he's talking to a hard hardcore skeptic, and he just is upfront with them. He confronts them with kind of a Romans one thing. Okay. And he says, um, you know, you think, therefore, you are right. And here's here's what he says to them. He says, the next thing you think is reality is real, and I didn't make it. Mm. So I'm not God. Yeah. And that, and so that's kind of what goes through here as we go through these. That you might could live, in, you know, in, in in this denial, or even not a denial, as if God's not important, as we talked about in previous the previous sermons. But what you're going to get hit with repeatedly, and that you can't escape, is t- is time in these seasons, yeah. these appointed times in your life. So that's what that's kind of what it is. Do you want to move through them, or do sure, you wanna... yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, a time, a time to die, or a, there's a time to be born and a time to die. This this one is like your life, right? And everything in between. But here's the beginning and the end. You don't decide. I mean, you you don't decide when you're born. Right. Nobody nobody does. But the Bible affirms that God, um, He has decided every day of your life before you were ever born. Mm. So the time of your birth and the time of your death and everything in between. Right. God's already appointed that. Yeah. That's Psalm one thirty nine sixteen, which say, "Your eyes saw my unformed substance, and in your book were, were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them." Now I said, some people say this is a high view of God, and I don't like that. I really don't. It kind of bothers me because um, they say, uh, you know, there's the high view of God and the low view of God. Well, there's only the correct view, and what does the Bible affirm? That the days of your life were appointed by God. That's just a biblical view of God. That's not a high view of God. 
You see what I mean? I'm not mm-hmm. trying to say like we should have high thoughts of God, obviously. Right. I'm, I'm I mean, this whole sermon's about a time for all. But it, it, no, I get what you're saying. Like we can't we're not allowed to formulate our own ideas about who God is. There's right. there's the real God. There's the true God and he as he's been revealed in scripture and there's there's false views about who God is. Right. And so, you know, John Calvin, his famous quote of his from the Institutes is, Our wisdom, insofar as it ought to be deemed as true and solid wisdom, consists almost entirely of two parts, the knowledge of God and the knowledge of ourselves. And this is kind of what I was thinking about as I saw what Solomon, is, as he's laying out this, is this is what he's doing. He's giving you a true knowledge of yourself, because mm-hmm. people live in denial of these things, and he's giving you a true knowledge of God. And you have to start there. I mean, if like if you're a listener and you have this formulation in your mind about God, you can't understand the Bible if you don't start here, that you're not God, you did not you did not decide to be born, you'll die one day, you won't appoint that day, but God has decreed every day of your life before you were ever born. Mm-hmm. You had to start there. Yeah. Um, before you can know, you can even know real wisdom, you have to begin there. So that's the first one he, he does. And we're going back to the 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 point. Time reveals the limitations of man. Mm-hmm. It's it's not just that we're born, but all the situation, you know, all the circumstances related to our birth. We're born to a particular set of people, right? At a particular time, we're not in the Middle Ages, right? We're not in ancient Rome. We aren't born in. Australia, right? <laughs> like we're like God has placed us exactly where He wants us, exactly when He wants us, and we have no control over that, right? Yeah, um, yeah. I, I have no control over my skin, my skin tone, and this is right? why, uh, or my genetics. You know, everything fits together, and this is why coveting is bad, right? Because when you covet another person's life, mm-hmm. you're saying God's not good. Yeah, His plan. Plan for you was bad. He should have done something different, right? But we're also limited. Yeah, like I, I'm an American. I was born in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't. There's there's nothing in the world that I could do to to change that. Right. I'm I'm limited to that. Uh huh. Right. Yeah. And and also um, he moves on. That's coupled with that as a time to plant, a time to pluck up what is planted. I mean, this is like a very earthy, earthy illustration. Yeah. Uh, if you think you're independent of God in His appointment of the appropriate times, um, just try to plant corn in the fall. Right. You have to plant corn in the spring, and you harvest it in like September, October. And that's the point. It's like you're not in control of anything. You're not in control of. Like, we think we're in control. We run through the world with an illusion that we're in control of things. Are, wait, hold but up. you can't even plant. Hold up, Jay. <laughs> are, you, are you seriously saying that if we don't raise taxes, that we can't control the weather? Is that what you're saying, Jay? <laughs> are you saying that we can't control right. the weather if yeah. we just raise taxes? Mm. Yeah. yeah I, I'm shook. I know. I'm sh- I know. I'm sh- I'm it's Jay. a shocker. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's a shocker. Yeah can't plant whenever you want. Mm-hmm. It's a time for it, time to plant, time to pluck up. Yeah. A time to kill and a time to heal. Mm. This is just the reality of the world that we live in. 
there could come a time in your life where it's 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 time for you to kill. And that's not that's not necessarily in your control, right? Right. Like if you're a if you're a soldier, mm-hmm. you don't you don't get to decide when an enemy nation decides they're going to attack. Right. Right. Yeah. It, there's a difference in murder and killing, right? right? I mean, it would be inappropriate for you to watch someone assault your wife and be on top of her beating her to death mm-hmm. and you to sit there and say, Can we just heal? <laughs> no. Nah. I mean you, you didn't you didn't do that in a John Piper voice, Jay. I was right. really, <laughs> really disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> That's it would be, and that's what's right to do at that time. Uh huh. Right. Is to kill. Mm-hmm. There's a time to heal. Obviously, it's the opposite. See how these are all county mm-hmm. there. So there's a time where killing's uncalled for. It's time for healing. A time to break down. A time to build up. That kind of is related to, you know, you think in your mind of construction. I used Yankee Stadium. Yankee Stadium eventually got so old mm-hmm. that even though it was like a a n- pretty much a national monument. Right. They're like, okay, we got to build a new Yankee Stadium. Mm-hmm. Well, there's an appointed time. Yeah. And it would be really weird for somebody to go to new Yankee Stadium and go, ah, it's time to destroy it, like right <laughs> after you built it. So these things, as you can see, they're... So with this, with this, uh, I mean, I could be way off or chasing rabbits. Could, could this even be, and Solomon wouldn't have known all this, but the just the passage of time and decay and rust yeah. and and these things that you, you just can't control right you can't control when yeah. when something is going to become too old and decrepit so. yeah it's not useful anymore yeah yeah i mean I'm pro- he probably just from observation mm-hmm. you know he set out on this long quest he's writing this toward the end of his life probably so he has this massive of knowledge um from observation, a lot of these—I mean, these are universal things that anyone can observe, mm-hmm. right? And so he's he's making these observations, and then the, of course the question is, who made these times? Uh, a time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones, is coupled together with a oh well, I, I skipped one. Yep. A time to weep, a time to laugh, is coupled together with a time to mourn, a time to dance. And this is kind of the one, you know. Read at funerals a lot, stuff right. like that. So, and we get it. You don't hire a stand-up comedian to come to the funeral. Mm. That'd be really weird. Yeah. Um, but even even I mean this this goes back up to to verse two. There's a time to die. Mm-hmm. Who who controls that? Right. Why why do people die when they do? Mm-hmm. Um, why do people die at all? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's all in the limitations of. A time. Yeah. Yep. Um, and there's, a, you know, and these are these are canceled out by positive times, time to laugh and a time to dance. Um, and we probably can I- identify with a lot of those in, in our life, our, you know, various happy times, anniversaries, births, things like that. A time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones, coupled together with a time to embrace and time to refrain from embracing. <clears throat> Sorry. I Going back to verse four, mm-hmm. something that we were talking about um, with the kids is that we see we see our limitations in time with a time to time to uh, to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance. We we all remember like these happy moments um, when we got married, mm-hmm. when our children were born. Um, 
uh, a vacation or you know something happy something happy happened and you you want to hold on to those things mm-hmm. but you can't like the time passes you can't you can't just stop the best day ever and never move from that day yeah there i mean like you, there, you've there's, seen it there's you've, going and you can't stop you can't stop those bad days from coming it's in, you know, it's it's in movies. I've heard it numerous times in movies or you've read it in books. I wish I could just stop time right now and be in this moment, mm-hmm. like forever. Right. You can't. You can't, yeah. 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 It's, it just moves on away. Right. Then a time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones. It's coupled with a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. Casting away stones, or cast casting away stones is like um, ruining an enemy's field so they can't farm anymore. That's in Second Kings three eighteen through nineteen. If if you're interested to go there and read that, you can go there and read that. But that's what the Israel is commanded to do to the Moabites to cut down all their trees and throw rocks on all their fields. Kind of, you know, we can see like how that could, how that's coupled with times for war, all this stuff. Mm. Um, but then there's a time when war is over and you're going to gather up all stones and make your fields ready again. Uh, time to embrace, time to refrain from embracing. There, there are just sometimes where it's it'd be inappropriate for you to hug someone or to get, embrace them. So there's a time for you not to do that. I enjoyed your uh, your illustration. That, right, uh, yeah, that's that pretty good. I mean, it is like, like there's just times where it, and touching is uncalled for. Mm-hmm. Did you want me to share share that? Is that why you brought it up? <laughs> I, I I said it, it caught first. my kids' attention. I it said was, it, it was good. I said it first. If you want to test whether there's an appointed time to refrain from embracing. You could, though I, you know, I, I, I'm not giving you the challenge. You could next time you're pulled over for speeding, and the and the policeman comes and says, "Keep your hands where I can see them." When I tell you, give me your ID. Stay in the car. You were to like be like, "Hey man, why are you so grumpy?" And you like try to open your car door and be like, "You just need a hug." It'll turn that frown upside down, and you go in for <laughs> you go in to hug him, and uh, it's not going to work. He's, you're going to get thrown on your face. Time to refrain. That's a time to refrain from mm-hmm. embracing. Right. <laughs> um, but you can think of more on your own. A uh, time to seek, a time to lose, a time to keep, a time to cast away. Um, this is kind of like about possessions. There's a time to seek wealth and possessions. There's a time to let that stuff go. Mm. Or a time to look for a new job. You're seeking wealth, possessions. You're looking for a job. There's a time to not do that. Um, if you've seen a hoarder, you ever been in a hoarder's house? Mm-hmm. Then you know that someone who's living contrary to reality, it's weird and wrong. Mm. Like you can't keep all your stuff forever. I've been in my kids' rooms. <laughs> they have every toy ever of all time. It's like you got to get rid of this stuff. Yeah. So there's that uh, time to time to tear uh, or time to tear and time to sew, a time to keep silence, a time to speak, time to tear, tearing clothes. That's done in mourning or when something really bad happens. Time to, for silence, a time to speak. Job's friends, and they teach us about this. Mm-hmm. We've talked about it before. Job's friends should have just ministered to him by just being with him and keeping silent. Their, their speaking only made it worse. Yeah. A time for love, a time for hate, a time for war, a time for peace. And... Um, we saw that the illustration I used for that was September the 11th, September September 11th, and everyone in the whole nation, Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, 
who anarchist, who cares, whatever you were, it didn't matter. If you were an American, everyone was unified. It's time for war. Mm-hmm. And these are just the times that govern our lives, and we don't set these. Um, and that brings up a question, because he's cu- he's kind of framed this in a way that everything cancels it's, it cancels out the other. Positive, negative, negative, positive. What gain has a worker from his toil? So you're in this time trap. I think one commentator called it the tyranny of time. Mm. You're in this time restraint. What do you gain from all your toil? Uh, the answer is nothing, as everything cancels out in the end. So you gain nothing. And he restates a couple of truths we already learned as he moves through uh, here. Um, we're in a, a universe governed by time. We're limited by time. This frustration we feel was appointed by God. Some people may not be comfortable with that, but it's actually a grace. It's mm-hmm. a, it's good. Because this whole thing's about what life is like after being cast out of the Garden of Eden. This yeah. is life under the sun. And what is life under the sun? East of Eden, it's frustration, it's toil, it's striving after the wind, it's emptiness, and uh, seeming to we're just spinning our wheels and not getting anywhere. Mm-hmm. And that is a grace of God to to have given us an unhappy life post fall is good because it'll cause us to look elsewhere. Right. Um. What if life was just bliss after the fall? We never would have looked for God or, mm-hmm. or sought Him or paid any mind to anything. Um, but this frustration we feel, it was appointed by God because He's good, I think, because He's good. Um, and verse 11 states that God has made everything beautiful. That that just means like a, appropriate. A, everything is appropriate in its own given time. I mean, we even have a term for a beautiful death. Mm-hmm. Somebody had a beautiful death. Yeah. It means that it was fitting and it was appropriate for that per you know for that person right um and if we could so I think eleven is where a shift takes place. The first part of eleven is kind of like if we could just come to grips with this idea that God has made everything appropriate in its time, um we could at least just live life but there's there's a there's more right, right. there's a problem right because as the end, the last part of eleven. It's not. It's not just an acceptance right. of this. Right. It's not just. Well, this is just the way it is. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to. I'm just going to live. Right. It. There's. There's still a problem. There's. There's. Yeah. There's still a problem, and and that's what the eleven B. I guess the last latter part <laughs> of eleven. Right. Says God has put eternity in our hearts, mm-hmm. and that that is what keeps us in that state of unsatisfaction. Mm-hmm. Like everybody everybody that's ever lived kind of has this haunting feeling or nagging feeling that something's not right in the world. Right. It, you see so like you you said with uh, with the poem in in 2 through 8 there's kind of a cadence. Yeah. And it's 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 like the ticking of a clock hand. mm mm-hmm. Mhm as it goes around and it, it just keeps going around and around and around. Um, you see this in the animal world mm. I mean, animals. My dog just does the same thing every single day. I mean, it's, it's just monotony, but you don't see that angst, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> you don't, you don't see, you don't see this, you don't see this, uh, the struggle mm-hmm. within a dog or a cat over the passing of time. Right. Because, God has done something. He's 
we're we're different. We're yeah. we're not animals, and yeah. God has put something in us. Yeah, that causes us to have that tension, and and it's eternity is is in our heart. So there is, well, I just called it a memory of Eden mm. that's passed down generationally. Mm. The curse is passed down generationally, but it's like there's a, a memory that's there that we don't quite have access to, but nags us that this is not the way things are supposed to be. Mm. Things are supposed to be better. It's like the world is good still, but not quite right. Mm. And so we long for a place that would... And C.S. Lewis, I think, is in his is in a weight of glory where he talks about it. He kind of develops this theme. He calls it an inconsolable longing. It's actually a good apologetic for talking to non-believers because they have it too. It's not just something right. that believers understand. <laughs> right. Everyone has this. Yeah. This eternity, it's in our heart. This long, it calls it an inconsolable longing that nothing in this world can quite get you where you know you need to be going. Mm-hmm. Like you can't even put your finger on it. He calls it a right. nostalgia, a nostalgia for a place we've never been. And I think that's just perfect. Yeah. Because nostalgia is like really long, uh, it's like a longing and an affection for some really fond memory in the past that you have, some experience. And so you might smell something and it takes you right back there. It's nostalgic. Or you hear a song and you're back there to where like where you met your wife or something, you know? And we ha- kind of have this built into us that we're like that, but for a place we've never known. And everyone is. That's why mankind is it's endlessly striving to create utopia on Earth. Right. Every civilization is trying to create the utopian society through various, you know... There have been various strategies all throughout history, and they all fail. But why are we even striving for that? That's the question that needs to be asked. Mm -hmm. And it's because there's eternity, that God has put eternity in our hearts, that we are made for something more than this, than this place. We're made for more than this time-bound, I don't want to call it, it's not like a system, but it's this time-bound, well, I'll use that, that commentator's word, tyrant. And that's it's eternity that's it's in our hearts, and that's that's what's there. Um, it doesn't stop the longing, and coupled with that heart knowledge comes another thing that we know um, that God has given us to know that no, no matter how hard we are to search, we can never completely understand God's ways. Mm. So we cannot find out what God has done from beginning to end. Again, that's a time reference. We can't understand God's big plan mm-hmm. for everything. Right. We can't understand God fully. Um, we can't even really search into the things of God without God condescending and revealing Himself to us mm-hmm. as more as mere mortals. Right. We're mortals. We cannot find out what the immortal has done unless He reveals it. So, what should we do? And then He comes back to. Uh, kind of how he finishes this little section in 12 and 13 is the two, le- it's kind of a lesson we already learned before last week, so we don't need to really need to rehash it. And he says, well, here's what you can do. Um, you can live t- for today. Like, God's given you today. Receive it as a gift. Don't live for the past. Don't live for the future. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do good and live for today. Uh, find joy in the blessing God has given you now. 
That's point one. So we're uh, we're trapped in time. We can't stop it. Just enjoy life. Right. That, <laughs> right. Is that kind of his his mm-hmm. summary? Because remember from last week, though, while God has given <clears throat> this frustration over to man, the point of it is for you to stop looking outward, mm-hmm. out in the world for for joy and peace, and to become a receiver. Receive from God his good gifts, yeah. and just enjoy life with God today. Okay. That's the idea. All right, so time reveals our limitations, mm. but verses 14 and 15, time reveals that God is majestic. Mm-hmm. All right, so um, I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Again, another time reference. Um, we're temporal. We're bound in time. Right, God is the term is atemporal. He's unbound. We're bound. God is unbound, and time I think reveals to us God's sovereignty, His power, His greatness, His glory, His grandeur, and His His majestic. Majestic is like standing in awe of something. Like if something's majestic, and we have terms for that, like a racehorse. We say, look at this racehorse. It's like this majestic beast or someone stands at the edge of the Grand Canyon and they just stand there and stare mm-hmm. when they say this is majestic it's mm-hmm. awe inspiring yeah this is what time should do for us when we understand God's relationship with time and his plan and his decree um, but to do that we have to understand God's relationship you, you've with time. used that you've used that phrase a couple of times I think it would be good for us to stop and for us to define it okay God's decree because right. I, I don't think I mean, growing up in a, a a Southern Baptist church, I never heard anything about a decree. Uh, what what are we talking about here? God's decree. Well, so okay, so if a person issues a decree, uh-huh. what is it? Well, I mean, it's, if a king issues a decree, yeah, it's uh, like an order. Okay, like a law. Here's how you should imagine God's decree. Here's mm-hmm. how I think about it to understand it. Okay. Okay, so you in your mind right now could create a world. Mm-hmm. Could you not? Yes. It could have various creatures. I mean, people write, uh-huh. bo- write books. Yeah, yeah. That's the world's that yeah, you look at, you look at you look at, uh, you know, the Lord of the Rings. I mean, that's what Tolkien does. Very he creates <laughs> He creates yeah. a very detailed world. God has the ability, um, like a king, because he's the king of the universe, to, in his mind, create a reality but to speak it and have it be so. Mm-hmm. So his decree is declaring all of the universe and time-space as we know it, time and space, from the beginning of when he first spoke to the very... Well, there will be no end, but we could say the end of the fallen world, but even beyond that into new creation. God has decreed, he has declared what will be. Mm-hmm. And Isaiah 46, 9 through 10 says it this way, Remember the former things of old, for I am God, there is no other. I am God, there is none like me. There is no other God. But God, in his plan, his will, see, we can we can create worlds. We don't have the power or the will to actualize them, mm-hmm. but God does. And he declares, he says in verse 10, declares the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish my purpose. Mm -hmm. So this is God's, God's decree is, if you want to just think about it in everyday terms, 
it's reality. Yeah, it's everything that has or ever will happen. You're in it. Yeah. Yeah, you're we're we're living in God's decree and everything that happens is part of his decree. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about meticulous sovereignty. Mm-hmm. Right? Is that Spurgeon's that Spurgeon's phrase meticulous right. sovereignty. Mm-hmm. Everything that happens. Yeah, RC Sproul says if there's one rogue atom in the universe, just one, mm-hmm. then God is not God. Right. I mean, you just think about it. It's common sense, right? You can cause an atomic explosion by splitting an atom. Mm-hmm. Why aren't there atomic explosions all over the universe? <laughs> Randomly, right? Randomly, just all of a sudden. Yeah. Like, why isn't this table going to like implode on itself and cause a nuclear explosion or whatever? Yeah. So when we talk about God's decree, we we mean there is no such thing as chance or luck. <clears throat> right. It it all it all is everything is encompassed encompassed under that phrase. Yeah. God's decree. Yeah, if we can use the Mar- Marvel terminology. Oh, here we go. Again. Have you been <clears throat> watching through the movies cuz you've been uh, you've been referencing no, those no. a lot and they've been on your mind. Um <laughs> I watched uh, that new Hulk show. Uh-huh. Yeah. It was all right. It was yeah. all right. Of course it's, you know, you got to empower it's women empowerment. It's been women empowerment my whole life. Yeah. All the heroes are girls. Yeah. You know what I mean? But whatever. I'm getting off topic. Um <laughs> uh you're living in you're living in um the one true timeline. Right. I told uh, I was talking to Roland, and I said this passage. This passage means that time travel is not possible. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> throw yeah. throw out throw out Tony <clears throat> Stark's uh, yeah. little wristbands. Thing. Right. Just won't happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is the I, one true I, one I, that yeah. God has actual. That's the term philosophers use, or, or theologians that study philosophy. Yeah. They'll use the term actualize. Right. Okay. God actualized this reality. Okay. Of course, in his mind, he has knowledge to <clears throat> counterfactuals. Like, what would George do? That's right. what they say. What would George do if this or this or this? Right. Well, God has knowledge to all of those po- yeah. possible things that right. could have happened. Right. But this is the world he actualized. Mm. He, this is the world he decreed. Yeah, and we see that with uh, you know, if if, uh, if these words have been uh, spoken in Sodom and Gomorrah, they would have repented. Yes. Right, right. That, that's what you're talking and about. And I used we used one last week. Uh, uh, Jesus was saying, "Someone greater than Solomon is here. Mm-hmm. Um, she's going to stand up." On yeah, the, if the on, Queen of Sheba. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. right. So uh, that's all there. Yeah. Okay. So uh, that's a decree, that's, that may that may have felt like a little bit of a rabbit trail, but it's it's uh, it's it's in the vicinity right. of what we're talking about because God is not bound by time. Right. So. We can't we can't talk about God as looking down the corridor of time because that's not how it works, right? Right, um, because He doesn't look down into the future in anything because right. He doesn't learn anything, right? Right. Um, I like how C.S. Lewis uh, he puts it in Mere Christianity. He says that uh, for for God, time is so. If you look at uh, if you had a piece of paper and you you three dots and a line. Mm-hmm. If you were living on that paper, if you were like a bug, um, you could be at one of those dots and you wouldn't see what was mm-hmm. on the other side of the paper. Right. But God is like us picking up the paper and we can see all of it at once. Right. That's that's kind of God's relationship to it. Uh-huh. 
Yeah. Yeah. So he existed before time. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember where I heard this, but it was interesting. Um, since our God is a Trinity and he is perfect in all of his attributes, right? Well, some sometimes it's better just to call him his perfections. He doesn't ever get better. He never gets worse. Um, for there to be a, such a thing as time, something has to change. So before there's anything ever created, there's no change in God. This is eternity, mm. pre-time. Mm. Okay. So there's not even... Before God even creates a physical thing, there's not even the possibility of something as the concept of time. Mm-hmm. This is this is pre-time. Right. That's that's interesting to think about because God doesn't change, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. And He doesn't change when He creates. Now, this is where theologians will argue because some people think God changes in time, mm. and these people, I would say, are really, really wrong. Mm-hmm. And it's ca- ca- it's catastrophic. God literally says He doesn't change. Yeah. Right. So when God creates time. Um, we don't want to. I said one mistake we could make is we could think God is just an observer, right? He knows all of time from beginning to end. He's decreed it, mm-hmm. but he's not just an observer. He's actually in time, right? As well, he's imminent, and that's that's what that's kind of what we mean by the decree. Also, mm-hmm. not that he's uh, the deist God that just sets everything in motion and then stands back, but he actually is involved in everything that happens, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so this is uh, this is God's relationship to time. Um, let's see, where were we at in our actual verse, know, four, so, verse, verse fourteen? Verse fourteen. Yeah. yeah, I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing taken away from it. This is decree. You can't. So you, He's actually doing something, right? So there's actually a verb there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can. Yeah, He's actively involved. This providence is the term for God's mm-hmm. activity involved in the world. Right. But you can't improve it. Right. You can't improve upon God's plan, mm-hmm. nor could you take something away from it. As right. if like, hey, this was an unneeded thing. Mm-hmm. And that's the that's the place where, you know, we kind of do those two things. Yeah. When when we are prone to not believing this. Right. Right. So but we can't. We yeah. can't add to yeah, it. We he, can't take you, it away from you can't it. change it. That's there's no time machines. Yeah. Right. Um so what is God doing in time? You asked that question. What is he doing in time? Mm-hmm. I, I perceive that whatever God does, it lasts forever. Yeah. Um, you can't. You can't add to it. You can't take away from it. What uh, What's he doing? What What's he doing in time? Uh, a lot of things. Oh, everything. I could say that <laughs> providentially, he's doing everything. Right? Uh-huh. He's taking care of sparrows. I mean, mm-hmm. he's doing everything. Yeah. He's maintaining the fabric of the universe. Mm. Uh, in him we live and move and have our uh, have our being that is not to say that god is everything but apart from his active providential care and maintaining nothing exists it evaporates mm. um he's working out his eternal decree mm. his plan yeah. so his, he's got a plan it includes the beginning of time the fall um everything that happens as he after post fall as he pursues mankind in his grace and love Culminating in the work of Jesus on the cross. Yeah, it, as as you were uh, as you were talking about it, I was thinking about um, your uh, your series on evil and suffering, mm-hmm. God's plan. What is His plan? When we talk about God has a plan, right? What do we mean? It's to glorify Himself, 
mm-hmm. in the the crucifixion, resurrection, and glorification of Christ yeah. to save sinners and to judge the wicked. Right. Right. Yeah. And so when we look at verses one through eight, and there's a time for everything, that time is all part of God's plan to accomplish this one purpose. Right. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah, and that's a bit. I mean, that's a that's a big picture of of time, right? It when is. We, when yeah. we think about time, when we think about history, everything that's happening is for this this all encompassing purpose, mm-hmm. right? That's a that's a big that's a big picture. Well, people don't like that picture because it's not about them, <laughs> right? They're like not even a. I mean, they're you're a tiny, tiny little character mm-hmm. in this unfolding right of time. Yeah, uh, and we like to be at the center of everything. But it, when we get to, we get to the end of of your sermon, mm-hmm. we'll see that even those even though we're we're small, God has regarded us, mm-hmm. um, and He actually has placed His stamp of importance on right. on humanity by what He's done. Yeah. Right? So time exists to humble us. That's the big why. The question mm. is, what's what's the big why? Yeah. It reveals your total dependence on God as a mortal creature. Um, and then it's to bring you to a place where you would stand in reverential awe mm. of who he is. That's what verse 14 says. He uses the word fear, but it just means reverential awe. Uh, or where's it? 15. Where, That's a very end of yeah. <laughs> 14. Yeah, there we go. So that people fear before him. That's the why. That's the big why. Why the poem as it unfolds reveals our limitations. Why the grandeur of this God? It's so that you would stand in awe of Him. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, we get a bigger picture of that in the New Testament, right? Right. Like, what yeah. does it mean for people to fear God? Yeah. Or to stand in awe of Him? Yeah. What, what's the? It, it's he, he. The purpose is to glorify God, right? That's that's right. what time is for. Uh-huh. Um, but we see in the New Testament the culmination of what that looks like. Yeah, and and honest, it, people think, well, that is selfish. That's what an unbeliever would say. God has orchestrated the entire universe so that I would stand in awe of Him. He must be really needy. Do you see the? Uh, he's need. He's needy and selfish. That's what they think. Did you see the video? It, it probably was on woke preacher clips of the of the lady. Talking about how God is, where it's we we are we exist for His ego. No, do you see that? Uh-huh. But this is the I'll thing. Have that, sh- I'll have to show it to you. It's the same stuff that like bothered Oprah. Oh yeah, you yeah. Know? right. Uh, but here here's the deal: like God isn't selfish or needy. <clears throat> right. God is in His nature uh, a giver, mm. um, and because He's perfect you would rightly conclude that a perfect God would give the very best gift he could give in the universe. Right. For your good. Yeah. And it just so happens the very best gift in the universe he could ever give you is for you to come to the place where you stand in awe of his majesty. Because mm. that is the greatest thing he could give. Um, there's nothing greater he could give you than the gift of himself. Again, that won't satisfy the non-believer. Right. Because they've never tasted and seen that the Lord is good. So maybe do. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> and so that's that's the point. And, and, but we we really, and it's good. It's boom, bah, huge theology. Yeah. But we don't. We we're prone to not doing it. Mm-hmm. That's the way we we are prone to not treating God in this way. Right. And when we don't, we're just we become anxious. 
everybody is prone to falling into some types of anxiety and worrying. Um, it's because we're not we're not standing in awe of God and believing this truth, or we get really casual with them. There are a lot of really casual church services that just make me very uncomfortable. You know? Yeah. Like uh, they're very, very, very human centered or man centered type mm-hmm. of worship. Mm-hmm. Um, makes me just very uncomfortable. I mean, we've looked at some of the extremes on here. Mm-hmm. The uh, Jesus as Doc from Back to the Future, right? You know, <laughs> yeah, the, these crazy type of videos. It's because uh, they're not believing who God is, or they wouldn't do that. Right? You couldn't do that. Uh, Beth Moore, that tweet I, I brought that tweet out that she she posted. And it kind of caused a little Twitter storm, um, and it's a, it's too casual for me. I'd be disappointed if if my kids grew up and tweeted things like this out. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, no, man. I, I, that would you don't that want would... you don't want uh, you don't want Brooke to tweet out that if if Jesus is trying to get her to have a crush on him, it's working. He, it's working. Yeah, she's so her tweet was, "I'm growing grapes for reals." It's almost like she phrases everything. Like a teenage, like a like teenager. teenage girl, yeah. Yeah. like for a tween, like a tween, like yeah. a tween for like approval. I'm growing wow. grapes for reals. It's like a miracle in fifty dejillion de- degree weather. If Jesus is trying to get me to crush on him, it's working. And and I said, <clears throat> you know, I was trying to make it make it stick. Like God didn't create the entire universe in time and space itself to get you to crush on him, to get you to crush on Jesus. The Trinitarian God, eternally Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, timeless, all three persons of the Trinity, timeless, uncreated, co-equal, one God existing in three persons, had a plan before the foundation of the world to unfold time in a certain way to get you to stand in awe of him in the person of Christ. Mm -hmm. That's it. Right. It's all about what the Trinitarian God did at the cross of Christ. That's where he's most awe-inspiring. And that's the purpose of time. And that brought us to Jesus. He was, right. and there's numerous verses that talk about this. Yeah. Galatians, and the fullness of time had come. Romans, while we were still weak at the, just the right time. Jesus, my hour has come. He prays to the Father in John 17. And what does he pray for? He says, glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. And then it's linked. This is the important thing about John 17. The appointed time... Mm is linked to what Jesus is doing. He says, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. So the eternal longing in the human heart is found only in what Jesus does as he glorifies the Father, as the Father glorifies the Son, and you get caught up in it as the Son gives you eternal life and satisfies the deepest longings of your heart. That's that's the point of everything. The yeah. point of time, point of everything. Yeah. yeah. I think what's uh what is is really so massive <clears throat> is that the eternal son of God. Uh oh, we lost a camera. You're gonna have to slide over here again, George. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you're back. You're back. I'm back. I don't know what's going on. It's a glitch either. in the matrix. 
Um, what I think is so amazing, and we talked about this a little bit, is that the eternal Son of God, the the timeless one, mm-hmm. he stepped in the time, right? In his incarnation, the timeless one now experiences time, mm-hmm. and. We'll never stop experiencing time. <laughs> right. Unless we want to redefine what it means to be a human. Yeah, yeah. We talked about this a little bit. I was watching a, uh, I don't even know how old it it was. I, I didn't even pay attention. Um, it was a Q&A with, uh, with John MacArthur. And uh, someone was asking him about heaven. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about the new heavens and new earth. And he said that one of the things we know about the new earth is that there will be no time. Um, and I, I think I text you, mm-hmm. like, where, where does this idea come from mm. that in heaven, there's no, there's no more time that when we, when there's a new heavens and new earth, there's no more time. Because well, if you, yeah. th- if, I mean, if you think about what time is for us, it's simply, again, it's, it's a, a measurement it's mm-hmm. how we talk about something that has already happened or something that's going to happen in the future. And there will be a point where we enter the new heavens and new earth. Right. Um, and so we can look back and say, that happened. That's past tense. Right. Right. Um, where, where this idea of, of there's no time. Yeah. And, this will be good to flesh out on here. This is what the podcast yeah, yeah. is for. That's right. Because I could. It was at the end. I was out of time. Mm-hmm. Were you out of time? <laughs> so I only. I see. I see what you did there. Only Jay. briefly hit what... on it. Um, <laughs> right. I think that idea comes from just the reality that we live in. We we are experiencing time in a fallen world, but mm-hmm. we have to remember there was time before the fall. Right. That's right. The, so if we want to get an idea of the new, there's, new creation, there's evening and morning. The first yeah. day, the second day, right. right. And they'll say, well, there's no more sun in the new creation. Yeah. But just because there's no more sun, I mean, that sun's only one measurement of time. Right. Um, but pre-fall, there's time. Like, if you live as a physical, if you're, if you're physical, okay, mm. right. and you walk somewhere, you are no longer where you were at. That entails time. Right. If someone says to you, in, a, in the physical reality... Would you please meet me at this location? Mm-hmm. And you say, "Okay, I'll meet you there." Well, when? Right. Okay, and then you travel to that place. Mm-hmm. Like, if there is physical reality, there's time. Now, I, and, the, here, I, and I think you—I mean, you see that even in the Book of Revelation, where you got visions of heaven. Mm-hmm. The saints around the throne—they—they—they. They, uh, they, or the elders, the elders, they cast down their crowns. Mm-hmm. That's past tense. They do something. Right. And they can look back and say, remember when we did that? <laughs> That's yeah. time. I think uh, maybe, too, it's people would think, well, there's no time because there's no end of anything. Uh-huh. Like when the new heaven and the new earth happens, right? there's only time, there's only eternity. Yeah. But that still, that doesn't mean that there's not time. Just because we'll never run out of it doesn't mean it's not there. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so I think that is there. But 
<clears throat> think about also this. Um, what is the new heaven and the new earth? This is an interesting thing to think about, okay? Mm-hmm. And it, so if when when God took on human flesh, he became the man Jesus Christ. He's true God, true man. He never stops being that. He never stops being a man. Mm-hmm. What is what happens in Revelation 21? The dwelling place of God goes from heaven, um, a place that's not physical. Mm-hmm. Um, it comes down to the earth, and the, and this old earth passes away. New earth comes, and that heaven is now a physical reality. Right. And it makes total sense when you realize, because the person at the center of all of that is the physical revealing of the Trinitarian God. Right. And so we'll live forever in a physical universe with our God, Mm -hmm. who is revealed in Jesus Christ, who is forever a man. Right. Um, So heaven becomes everything. (laughs) You know? And so at that place, there's no end to it. Right. So... I don't think that means there's no time, though. Right. Because we because we'll be resurrected resurrected physically. Yeah. Like Jesus. Right. And we'll have to live somewhere. Yeah. I mean, for <clears throat> for for us to not experience time anymore, we would have to become, in our essence, what God is. Right. And that's not what's <laughs> that's not what's going to happen. Like we're not going to become omnipresent. Right. We, we we are able to take on, I guess, some type of attribute um, attributes that God has in our resurrection, um, timelessness. But again, this is all contingent. We're we're dependent upon Him giving it to us, so we can never have it be self derived. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll be we'll have timelessness. Um, there's that kind of thing, but yeah, we can we can never take on God's timelessness because He had no beginning. We, I, right. I am totally confident of this that in the new earth, the new heaven and the new earth, we will be able to say to our then if our children are there with us by God's grace, I remember when you were born. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you had a beginning, right? And then you can say, I can remember when you became a Christian. I remember when you were mm. born again. Yeah. Right, you know what I mean? Yeah, it was just it was just interesting. I mean, we we love John MacArthur on here. Uh, I just think oh, yeah, that, yeah. I just think he's wrong on on this. I'm, I and don't here's know. The thing, like, I don't know what he's I don't know what he's he's thinking in this regard. Right. Um. I, but I mean, when you think about the fact that to be human, to be physical, which that's what the new earth is. I mean, it's going to be physical. We're going right. to be resurrected bodily, like we're going to be in bodies, mm-hmm. um, is to experience time. Well, he pro- probably that's what he, he meant, is that time's never, time will never end. Now, time is going to be, di- yeah, like you said, there's, there's not going to be an end to that time. Mm-hmm. And time is going to change. Mm-hmm. Like we're not going to experience it in the same way. And so, the way that you ended the sermon, I, I think, was was really good. Yeah, I, I like that because yeah. you went back to you went back to verses one through eight, 
and you talked about how time is it's going to be changed right. it's not going to be the same right um it's it's not going to be time this this vanity we're not going to experience the vanity of time right um in the new heavens and new earth it's, <clears throat> yeah. it, it is going to be transformed um because it's not gonna, we're not going to be fallen anymore the world's not going to be fallen anymore we're not the world the created order is not going to be subjected to futility it's going to be glorified right um right. so we don't know exactly what that's going to look like um but we know that just to be physical is to experience time right. uh-huh. um in a sense yeah and so i ended it and i got the idea from the end of the bible where it says there'll be no more pain no more crying anymore he'll wipe away every tear from their eyes the former things are passed away well this contains i think some eternally good things mm-hmm. and then it contains this poem it contains things that are only relevant to time in the fall. Right. So in the new creation, you can read that poem without any of the negative things. Mm-hmm. So there's no more time, right? There'll be no more time to die. Mm-hmm. No more time to pluck up, no more time to kill, no more time to weep, no more time to mourn, no time to cast away sto- stones or refrain from embracing, no time to lose, no time to cast away or to tear or to keep silent, no time for hate and no time for war. Mm-hmm. Because the things which bind us and limit us in this fallen world, they're out of time. Yeah. There's no time for them. Right. Yeah, that's good. That's it. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess we're out of time. We're out of time. We're out of time. One thirteen. We've come to the end of our time together. <clears throat> well, uh, that was good. I uh, I enjoyed that. Jay, even though I was uh, recovering from my time of uh, cleaning up sickness, um, it was good. It was really good, really helpful. Uh, Things to think about that we don't often, we don't often think about. We live in time, but we don't often think about time. We need to be mindful of it because uh, David, or Moses, excuse me, Moses in Psalm 90, he, uh, he prays to God, teach me to number my days so that I may gain a heart of wisdom. Um, we need yeah. to be mindful of time, be One mindful of, of, of how little time we have. I tried to find this so I could uh, reference it, so I couldn't reference it, but I found this, I think it was on a table talk, maybe, Ligonier's. It was about God and time. Mm. And one of the most relevant things that I pulled from that was um, when you pray to this God, you're praying to a God who knows you better than yourself, mm. right? He's He was there at your birth. Right. And every time in between, all the way to your death, they're with you presently. Right. So when you pray to him, he knows you better than you know yourself. That's comforting to me. Yeah. Yeah. And that our time is in his hands. Uh-huh. That's um, that's a comfort. It. Uh, uh, I think you said something like, uh, "This is anxiety killing." doctrine mm-hmm. um so hopefully hopefully that's what uh this helps us to do yeah right um so hopefully this has uh, been beneficial for you if it has please make sure to like subscribe share uh get the word out so that more people see our uh, our podcast um and uh we hope of course that uh, as we're talking about these things that it causes you to do exactly what solomon wants it to do causes you to stand in awe of our majestic God. Uh, We'll see you next time for Free For All Friday, and uh, we hope this helps you to become more and more conformed to Christ.